You are listening to the American Truth Project Podcast. It's time for our Grassroots Citizens panel. Joining me in studio, as he did previously, is Eric Schiffer. Eric, Washington Times columnist, uh, pop culture pundit, as well as a social media uh, expert is in cyber... Cybersecurity. Cybersecurity. I was not aware of that until today. In studio as he was previously is Barry Nussbaum. Barry is the founding member of the Israel Group. Thank you, Barry. Also in studio, how fitting this is, ladies and gentlemen, Will Vogt. Will, former Clinton White House intern. Correct. No, it does not look like Monica Lewinsky. That could be a different story. Oh, my goodness. Have I, have I, I thought I was trying to work out. So, uh, former White House Clinton intern, you're a comedian. Correct. You also are, you write for the Late Late Show on CBS. Correct. And I uh, can't wait to get your, your take on some of this. I don't know if you heard, the Clintons are in the, in the news lately. The Clintons are in the news. There it's you. the gift that keeps on giving, ladies and gentlemen. All right. Also joining us from Washington, D.C. is Shelby Emmett. Shelby is with the group Project 21. Shelby, good to see you. Hi, how are you? Doing terrific. Let's get our first topic and start with our social media cyber warfare expert, Eric Schiffer. Uh, Eric, it doesn't pass the smell test, what Hillary is saying. You know, on the one hand, she's telling us that that she is so unsophisticated that she thought she had had to have more than one device in order to uh, have multiple email addresses. On the other hand, she found a way to to delete 31,000 email off her server, which takes some sophistication. Yeah, there's no question there's a lot of sophistication at play here. The big question is what uh, was uh, at issue in terms of the, the ability for them to, to parse her emails, meaning the third, these international countries that were at war with. Uh, for the first three months when they registered that email, it was unsecure. So, for instance, you've got to put in a digital certificate when you actually have your own email server. My guys did some searching. Uh, the first 90 days, there was no digital certificate, which means that the email was unsecure. And even if you put a digital certificate at a later point, a man in the middle, which is what it's called, could attach themselves post facto after it's been secured. And anything that would be in there that would be considered classified is actually available to someone to be able to hack. So there's a national security concern to the extent that she had information that was considered severely classified. Now, there's, as you know, classified uh, different categories. Different categories. So I would, I, the question is, is she, was she more careful with what she put on there? But that's, to me, that's the most salient issue here because she wouldn't be the first one that was using email outside of. Uh, That's right. A, a, you know, a public environment. No, she she fired or forced the resignation of the former U.S. ambassador to Kenya for because he was doing it. Will vote former White House intern under Clinton White House. Yeah. This reminds me of well, Ron Fournier of National Journal said it best in '90s called and uh, they want their PR tactics back from the Clinton. This is uh, this is a uh, just another example of the conservatives trying to attack <laughs> and destroy oh. the Clintons. That's, that's is this the comedian is. coming out? Well, of no, I'm just saying it's you know. First of all, the server belonged to uh, President Clinton and who sent two emails in his lifetime according and to this. I do know that uh, that there was a conversation that took place. Where, Whoa! Wait a second. I don't. Uh, I, we're not going to give the server with my emails on it. Um, but but let's 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 hit the facts. Okay. The facts are that uh, that Hillary Clinton had, had 
has not done anything differently um, than any of her predecessors. Every single Secretary of State that held the office up until John Kerry um, had done the same thing. Policy adjusted a little bit uh, with John Kerry. So you, you are in a minority on the left. You're perfectly fine. Nothing happened out of the ordinary here. I'm saying, okay, so we're, we're yes questioning no. yes no. yes the trustworthiness no. of Hillary Clinton. Do we trust her? Do we trust her? Why should we trust her? Was she right. the first lady twice? It's going to Shelby. I'm going to see a shaking your head no. We're not going to get a straight answer out of Will Vote. Can we get a crooked one out of you? Well, I, I first want to make something clear. Um, first, this isn't uh, something that every single Secretary of State does. If you actually look back at the Bush administration, Condoleezza Rice always used her state uh, government um, public affairs account. She never used her private account. So to sit there and say, oh, well, they all do it, so who cares? This is typical Clinton behavior, um, but I also think that this is something being projected and pushed um, by the left, by um, the Obama crew, maybe, just like I think um, a lot of this other stuff that you see with Senator Mendez, although wrong, is being pushed because they're disagreeing with Obama. I think Hillary's been used and beaten up by the Democrats and used um, to get along to get along, and now they're making sure to get rid of her to make room for Elizabeth Warren. I think it's very obvious, and of course she's hiding stuff, because it's 32,000 emails that we can't see. So we should assume the worst because it's the Clintons. Assume before, the worst? Before we go to Barry, let, let me ask you, Will. You said it's all right-wing talking points. The article was put out, put out, the news was put out by the New York Times and the Washington I Post. Think that, I think that Hillary Clinton addressed almost every major Wait, point yesterday in the, the Post. The New York Times and the Washington Post put this out. I, I understand that, and that's you, representative of journalistic objectivity. Oh, it sure is. And you're okay with the fact that she says you can you only need one. I, I didn't want to carry two devices. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, I mean, I'm okay with the fact that every other Secretary of State has done the same thing. We're saying there's 30,000 emails that she's earmarking as personal. We have never had this level of scrutiny for any other Secretary I, I, of State. I, I, I was, here's, go ahead. here's the difference, is that they never had their own private server. But she means, funneled all those emails prior to sending them to a State Department.gov channel, which was which was within the protocol. There's, there's a really important thing that we're not talking about. Bill Clinton. No, the Clinton Foundation. That's right. There's During the this entire history of her service in the State Department, which she said her private email uh, server was okay by the State Department, which, by the way, the head of the State Department is the Secretary of State, so she approved her own system. Did you bring are these Dur some of the emails from Hillary Clinton's? I, I've got more. I know. During that period, the Clinton Foundation received tens of millions of dollars from foreign governments. All the correspondence with those foreign governments is all of a sudden not available. There's two studies out right now that say the average person gets between 130 to 150 emails a day. She turned over 37 emails a day. Where are the other 100 to 200? They're all gone. They can't be all personal. Well, they no, can't no, all no, be on no. wedding plans and personal business. But, 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 but can I just say this? If you know, if somebody called you up, Brick, and said, listen, I'm going to go public in the media, and I'm going to accuse you of tax fraud unless you provide me with every single email that you've sent in the last 10 years, what kind of a position does that put you in? Because that's exactly what's what's happening. No, there's a huge difference. She's a public servant. We have to <laughs> remember here, though, too, that she's, she's Secretary of State here. Right. This isn't a personal email just between you and your ex-girlfriend. This is Secretary of State, a woman that claims she's qualified to be president. Yeah. I know she's Secretary of State. State. But if you can't handle two thousand, you're not going to be president. But no, they haven't done every other single same thing. They There's have never not. been a situation with this much
President Barack Obama's national security strategy, his foreign security strategy, foreign policy strategy, rears its ugly head again, this time in a form of Cuba. We'll cover that next. Don't go anywhere. Back after this. The Obama White House foreign policy, national security strategy rears its ugly head once again. Where have they had any success, folks? Uh, was it in Iraq, where he removed 10,000 troops and ISIS filled the vacuum? Was it in Libya, where he helped remove Muammar Gaddafi? Now we see what's happened there. Or was it in Yemen, President Obama's so-called success story, which is now overrun by his radicals led by Iran? Or is it in Ukraine? Or is it in Egypt, where they propped up the Muslim Brotherhood president, only to be overthrown? by uh, the Egyptian people. Now, President Obama decides to normalize relations with Cuba. All right, sounds like maybe some people are on board with that. Some of their shippers, some people are on board with that. Turns out they come out and say that they being the White House says that Venezuela is a national security threat. Cuba comes out and backs Venezuela. You would think if they had an ounce of respect for the White House, an ounce of, uh, we'll meet you halfway, they wouldn't embarrass America, or at least President Obama, in this way. Well, this concerned them because what happened is that they targeted specific individuals. So this was not a country-specific session. Right. Yes. These were individuals. These were police officers and certain high-ranking uh, senior people within uh, either the administration or, or the like. And, and so that was... It, it, rightly, there's a common question about, you know, is this imperialistic? I can understand that. The We don't know all the facts. We don't know if, uh, whether some of these allegations are true, that they were continuing to cause uh, harm to innocent people, et cetera, et cetera. That, that's the difference. And so I think that uh, there's a concern by Cuba that this could happen to if certain individuals highly ranked within Cuba. It's what we're doing with Russia. Look, it's... It's part of the uh, warfare that goes on. It works. Governments are run by people, especially the, you know, and, and these individuals uh, flex based upon it. We did it with Russia with the oligarchs. It helped to flex. It will help in Venezuela. And uh, and Cuba is, is running to support them. And, and we'll see how much that support really means. Yeah, I think it means very little, but yeah. it's interesting on a, on a, uh, on a uh, perception level that your newfound friend, is, is coming out against you. Let's go to Shelby Emmett. Shelby, I support the White House in this new tactic. I would prefer to target uh, corrupt, wealthy individuals than go to war with a nation. But I would expect Cuba to at least be quiet if they disagree with what their new partner is doing. Well, I don't expect Cuba to act any way, shape, or form. I mean, Cuba's going to do what Cuba's going to do, which is why I don't agree with the president trying to open up relations with Cuba, I feel like the president is always giving and giving and giving and never expecting much of anything. Um, but it is nice to see allies that are supposed to be allies um, supporting each other. I think it's something the president should look into. Um, I, I feel it, it, with our own policy, he's done everything he can to bend over backwards for people that don't like us and has kind of left of our, our friends and neighbors by themselves. So it, at least it's good to see in our hemisphere anyway. We know who's working together and we know that they're loyal to each other. And I think America should try it. We'll vote as, as a supporter of this president. Are you embarrassed that he's gone out of his way to say what a great partner Cuba is and then they, they, they turn her back on him? No. <laughs> I, I, am, I am not personally embarrassed, no. Um, and I am actually glad that they uh, uh, opened, uh, opened Cuba. I think it had been closed uh, for far too long. Um, and I would like a cigar. <laughs> All right, Barry. 
I'll tell you, the thing that strikes me uh, about it the most, Rick, is this is an example of Obama foreign policy where I'll give you what you want and I won't ask for anything in return. That's right. It seems that there doesn't ever uh, require a, a quid pro quo in a foreign policy. We're in the process of giving everything to Cuba that Cuba has asked for, and I have yet to find out what we're getting in return, with the exception of the release of one person, which is not a bad thing, and I applaud that. But it seems as though you would respect uh, the agreement that's just going into place, such that there would be a little bit of uh, softening of the hardline uh, communist dictatorship from Fidel Castro. Absolutely. It's all being workshopped. You know what I mean? And we're workshopping right now. We just, it's just been two and a half months since we said we were going to open it up. You know, I mean, we're, we're just we're workshopping. All, all the more reason for Cuba to not come out and disagree with their, their newfound friend. All right, next topic. Barons, we, they, were, they made our mama look on the list uh, of the day list twice this week. Barons Advanced, Advanced Placement Test Guide prepares students for their SATs. They listed uh, Clarence Thomas as a fascist and put him on a chart with the KKK. Now they apologize and say, well, we had a, con a spacing issue. Spacing issue. Spacing this is a spacing issue. issue. This is going to Shelby Emmett. Shelby, if you, if you are going to be gratuitous and accept Barron's apology at face value, that they had to condense the size and that's why it was misleading, then that raises other questions about the quality of their other uh, test placement guide. Well, exactly. At a minimum, if they just misguided and didn't pay attention to this, what it says at a minimum is that they're not a good company. At a maximum, what you see a lot in society, unfortunately, is that anybody that has any type of color to their skin, but particularly black Americans, if we at all have an opinion that is outside of what uh, liberalism tells us is what we're allowed to think as black people, that we're cast aside and almost seen, at least politically and in, in the big picture, as second-class citizens in terms of being, we're not thinking the way we're expected to. And I wouldn't be surprised if these people are big donors to the left, and this is what you see a lot, unfortunately. It happens all the time. And we hear that over and over That's and ridiculous. over. It's ridiculous. So, so... One second. Is it ridiculous that as a black conservative... She's, she says that she's told that uh, she's criticized for speaking outside the... I think it's ridiculous to draw a parallel that Barron's, uh, you know, that has been, uh, you know, providing young people in this country the ability to try to score higher on advanced placement tests, has some secret Machiavellian agenda, um, and is funneling money, um, you know, into a uh, political party. I think that's ridiculous. Right, that's uh, my opinion. Now, you should, now, now, Eric... Well, you, I don't you, think it's a secret agenda at all. Eric, Eric <laughs> you, you pointed out that Barron's, there's more to the story here. The, well, you know, I, I agree with my friend here that I don't think that this is a larger conspiracy. I think that that would be a little bit far-reaching. I do think, however, they put they vested too much power in this guy, this writer, and he took it upon himself to kind of, to be a little creative. What did he call moderates in his test guide? He considered them liberals. Uh, so, so, so in this advanced placement test guide by Barron's to prepare high school students for college exams, Moderates were called what? They were considered liberals. But again, he's viewing this through the prism of history. Mm. Okay, so not current. Through his prism. Through his prism or, or prison. Through his prism, through his prism of history, Clarence Thomas is a, is a fascist and a, K, a member of the KKK. Oh, but wait, 
We had to condense it down to one page. Well, it's uh, it was an interesting oversight. Well, have you ever worked with those programs? I mean, we worked the thing. I mean, done the formatting for that. It's very, very confusing. So why buy the guide in the first place if you can't get it right? Shelby, it took you want to weigh in again on something here. Well, I think you've got to look at the bigger exam. I mean, the the AP exam I've taken them. Um, the, they've come over uh, criticisms for more than just this. I mean, they're known to be a very liberal-based way of, of doing their exams, particularly when it comes to constitutional law. I mean, if this doesn't surprise me at all, of course they're going to put a man that doesn't um, token the line of what they believe to be right things in history to do that. I don't see how anyone can be surprised by this. They would have never done this to... Um, you know, uh, Malcolm X, or they would have never done this to Hillary Clinton, but of course they're going to do this with the black conservative because you're always allowed to do this to black conservatives. And we hear that over and over and over again on this show, uh, Shelby, from those on the right who, who are of black uh, uh, heritage, saying, look, anytime I speak my mind, I get I get criticized, diminished, and, and, uh, and laughed at for stepping out of line. You want to say something? Yeah, Rick, I see it as well, sort of the, 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 the poverty law center. The typical new history that rewrites history. Uh, it's true on the campuses and it's true in preparing young people for the campuses. It starts in high school. The things that we learned in high school in civics and social studies and history have morphed into a new history and a new look at history. Thanks for listening to the American Truth Project, a 501c3 nonprofit. Please subscribe to our podcast. And follow us on our social media channels to stay plugged in to the truth. Go to americantruthproject.org and subscribe to our newsletter to stay informed on the latest news.